0: It's time for Dodger Baseball. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! There it goes!
1: Singer!
2: The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is. Is the Off the Air Podcast the legacy of WFUV sports?
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Off the Air, the podcast where we spend some time connecting with WFUV alumni. On today's episode, Thomas Quigley and I meet with Greg Caserta, who currently works as a CBS update anchor, a play by play announcer for Long Island University, and he works for the Buffalo Bisons. He graduated Fordham in 2010 and was the winner of the Marty Glickman Award at his time here. He covered like numerous sports at WFUV, play-by-play, color. Um, and so, Thomas, how are you today, and are you excited for this interview?
1: I'm great, Kayla, and I am very excited for this interview. It's always great to talk to some WFUV alum, especially because, uh, you know, Greg is one of those guys who went out there, went started at the station, and ended up Doing what he loved, and uh, I can't wait to just dive into that. See what what it's all about to be a broadcaster for an actual professional sports team. Um, I'm excited to ask him about calling his first major league game, which he did this year, uh, and uh, definitely want to get into this this NFT stuff with um, that crazy play at home. I think it was a Fordham baseball game, uh, and there's there's a lot to get into there. So uh, very excited for this interview. I know Greg's done one-on-one with us before uh he's a great guy and uh i'm very excited to meet him
0: no yeah and especially i think this is maybe your first time doing off the air and i mean what a like great moment to do it with greg caserta especially with this nft drama about one of his calls from his time here at fordham suddenly getting a lot more like promotion and airtime again like 10 years later
1: yeah no it's a i went and back and watched the play uh it's a great play it's a a guy running home—I uh, forget what his name was—but is was a Fordham player running home, trying to uh, avoid a tag, and he somersaults over the catcher and is ruled safe. Uh, the opposing coach comes out and yells, but uh, it's a great call by Greg. Uh, and apparently, that that same player that scored that run now wants to make it uh, into uh, an NFT. And uh, you know, all, all the power to him. Greg seems to be. Uh, at least so far on board with that. But I guess we'll get a little bit more information uh, when we get to, t- to chat with him later.
0: Yeah. And that's just what I really love about these podcasts is like hearing things like that, like the NFT, something that was from so long ago and just looking at him now and talking to Greg now and seeing like, how has it been since then? Like, what does it feel like to have all of these FUV memories really come back sort of in this type of moment where he's looking back now at this call and now he's like maybe comparing it to where he came from. So I think that this will be a great interview. I'm really excited to talk to him. He seemed so nice on -on one-on-one, pretty sure Dylan Walsamo and Alex Walls did that interview. Um, And speaking of Alex Walls, he's going to actually introduce Greg Caserta to us a little bit more and just tell us a little bit more about him before we start our interview.
2: This week on off the air, Greg Caserta. Growing up in New Jersey, Caserta arrived at the Fordham University campus in 2006, where his time at WFUV began. While at the station, Caserta was a studio host, update anchor, beat reporter for the New York Rangers and Yankees, and a play-by-play broadcaster as the winner of the 2010 Marty Glickman Award is best known as the voice of the iconic Fordham Flip.
3: And the pitch to Walker, line drive, center field,
2: falling fast, it's a base hit!
3: Matt DeSilva scores the leading run, here comes another, that's McSherry, rounding third, coming to the plate, and diving over home, and safe! Unbelievable, Brian Kanaki!
2: Caserta also orchestrated the station's weekly Life in the Minors series with that love for minor league baseball carrying into his time post-graduation as Caserta worked as a broadcast and media relations intern with the St. Saint Paul Saints in 2012, before making his next stint with the Hudson Valley Renegades. That journey continued from New York to the Charlotte Stone Crabs, Richmond Flying Squirrels and the Reading, Fightin' Phils, and most recently as play-by-play broadcaster with the Buffalo Bisons. He reached the mountaintop in 2021 as Caserta was called into the Mets radio broadcast booth in June, making his major league debut on WCBS 880 at the age of 32. Caserta continues to be heard on the airwaves as a national update anchor for CBS Sports Radio and most recently making his debut on WFAN right here in New York. Here is the Off the Air podcast with Greg Caserta.
0: Greg, how are you today?
3: I'm good. Now that I uh, I got the resume rundown right there, I'm, I'm great. So I always joke, like, once I get that kind of introduction, and I've been on with uh, with a couple of the FUV people over the last couple of months here, once I get the introduction, it kind of sets the bar pretty high. So then I got to just, I got to bounce after this. So I'm good. <laughs> you guys have a great day, and we'll, we'll do this again soon.
0: No, it's definitely all deserved. Totally worthy of the entire introduction. Um, So we're just going to get right into it, you know, starting with your whole career, beginning here at Fordham. How did you know that you wanted to work in sports broadcasting? Like, where did that passion come from?
3: So of course, I've got to start with my mom, who I guess it was after my sophomore year of high school said, hey. There's a sports broadcasting camp at Montclair State University. It was the Bruce Beck and Iron Eagle sports broadcasting camp, which is still around. It's just not called by that name anymore. I know that Dave Popkin does stuff with them. Tim Capstraw, they're good friends of mine. So uh, give them a little shout out as well. But after my sophomore year, I said, no, I'm, I'm mom. I'm not doing it. I'm not interested. She said, fine. But next year, you have to do it. It was a five-day camp basically like school hours from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon and when I went there I fell in love with it I mean that's really where it started and what was funny is that I met two guys that would end up being WFUV alums and I'm pretty sure that one was on this series Justin Shackle who I believe was on a few episodes ago so I met Justin at this camp he was a year older than me I met uh, Brian Clark a classmate of mine at that camp as well. So the three of us knew like, all right, we're at that point we all knew we were going to Fordham. Um, So I I guess it, it really started that first year. And that's when I realized, all right, this is what I'm gonna look to do in college. I knew that I didn't wanna go to a big school. I had visited Syracuse. The campus was too big for me. I also knew that I wanted to be a stone's throw from home where I could live away from Bergen County, New Jersey, about 35 minutes away. But if I needed to come home on a Sunday for dinner with mom and dad and get my laundry done, I could do that as well. So it was the best of both worlds. And then from visiting the school and hearing about the radio station from a few people, they basically said, it's going to allow you to do anything. And it made my decision pretty easy when all was said and done.
1: As we're all aware, plenty of FUV success stories, you know, ranging from legends like Vince Scully, Mike Breen. Uh, to the unsung heroes in production that have made it to the pro sports broadcasting industry. As someone who's reached that promised land of, you know, you did your first MLB broadcast this year, even if it was just in a fill-in role, you've clearly made your passion into, you know, a fruitful career. Can you talk a little bit about your journey from WFUV to calling a major league game?
3: Well, it's... It's different, right? Because when you think about guys like Breen, Papa, Carino, K, to my knowledge, not a lot of them went the minor league baseball route, which is what I did. And it's not for everybody. As you guys know, there's no formula for this. There is no computation. And there's really no, all right, at the end of your four years of college, you get your degree. In this business, there's guys like me who it takes time. It takes 10 years. Then there's other guys like Ruco, who, you know, you you get that opportunity early on. Spiro, you get that opportunity early on. Um, For me, it was grinding through the minor leagues. And you mentioned the Buffalo Bisons. That was the most recent stop that I had this year in 2021. So when all said and done, uh, at one point, I lived in six states in seven years to announce minor league baseball. Now, I wasn't there permanently. I was only there during the season. But it's every six months. You're packing up your stuff in Jersey. You're moving to a different state. Uh, you do your season and then you, as soon as you settle into a new city, you're packing up your stuff and you're heading back home. So I don't know if I would recommend that route for everybody, because again, I think there's other ways to get where you need to go. Um, but for me, that that's what it was. And when all's said and done right now, as I'm talking to you, I've called every level of minor league baseball, except for full season, a ball. So it runs the gamut of all the different minor league levels and uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time, you know, it's weird because it's 10 plus years in the business, which for me seems like a long time, but then I try and think about it realistically and I go, okay, I made my major league debut at 32 years old. That's pretty young for this business, Um, which is, is frustrating because you see, you see the gamut, you, you know, you, you see how. There's guys that, again, get that opportunity at an early age. And then, you know, sometimes you get into your own head where you're thinking, all right, well, I haven't gotten that break yet. Does that make me a failure? And, you know, you realize that, no, not necessarily. It's just it's the right place. It's the right time. Um, I equate it to a guy that's in AAA absolutely hitting the cover off the baseball. And the fans are clamoring for him to get called up. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, So it, you know, ten years in the business since I graduated, but now we're talking about my early days at FUV, and guys, that's now fifteen years ago. So when I look at the numbers that way, now it does seem like a long time, and now I do feel older than uh, than maybe I feel today.
0: <laughs> that is crazy, but you've had such like a long career, and you've been in minor league baseball for so long what do you like most about it? Like what keeps kind of drawing you back into being willing to go to seven different states and to go everywhere? Like what makes you like, what's the passion for minor league baseball, I guess.
3: I love the day to day. And I think for me, I knew right away and I was given the warning ahead of time. Like people told me, listen, you're going to do your first summer of baseball. You will know about a weekend, whether this is for you. And I knew right away, this was for me. I loved the grind of it every day i think early on when i was really getting those reps and uh you know you'll ask any play-by-play broadcaster from their college days to their mid-20s when you get that line of hey you got to get those reps you're like oh enough about the reps i'm sick of reps. i don't (laughs) want to hear it it wouldn't matter who's telling you that too it could be breen it could be dave sims it could be sam rosen or doc emrick um but when you hear that you're like all right enough about the reps." guess what? They're right. You need those reps. Um, so for me early on, I think when I was making more mistakes and I was taking more risks and I was really developing who I was as a broadcaster and finding my style, I love that if on a Thursday night I was not good by my own standards, which are pretty lofty, I knew that Friday night I could get right back to it. Um, I loved the preparation aspect of it. Now, it's not to say I don't love calling other sports because I do, But for instance, I've got a soccer game on Sunday and my prep work is being here. It's in my living room. You know, I could call coaches on the phone. I could drive out to practice on Long Island, but I'll sit in Long Island traffic. So that's not the best. But for me, (laughs) at the ballpark is the best because you get to go down on the field during BP. You get to talk to guys a little bit. That's the best prep work. For me, prepping for another sport where you're home and you're stuck inside, you get a little stir crazy. So being at the ballpark, um, you know, being part of a family uh, where not only your front office people become your second family, but the players and the coaches, you guys are riding the bus together. You're on the bus late, you're going to cities and checking into hotels, and um, there's a bond that you share. So it, it was one of those things that, again, I don't know if it's for everybody, but I knew pretty early on that it was something that I loved.
1: So last year, obviously, minor league baseball, you know, given a couple of tough blows. The first, of course, the uh, the shrinking of the entire uh, minor league system. Um, and then basically a few months later, if that, uh, you know, COVID becomes a serious issue in America and the entire season is shut down. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that felt? You know, that moment that you realized well, we're not going to have a minor league season and uh, what you basically did for that that uh, that off season and what it meant to be back in the full swing this summer.
3: Well, Tom, I'm happy that you rewinded back to one of the low points of my life. I really, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm just kidding, of course. Um, listen, as we know, from March of last year to right now, things have changed drastically. Now they've gotten better, um, but my personal story was March of last year. Before everything went to you know what, I was at Newark Airport and I was two hours away from a flight down to spring training. I was going to call a Phillies Oriole spring training game on MLB.com. It would have been my second straight year doing a Phillies spring training game. And I was obviously jacked up for it. And two hours before my flight takes off, I checked my phone and there it is on Twitter, passing uh, Rosenthal, all the baseball insiders, spring training whacked I'm like oh boy now I had some family and friends that were going down to Florida so I could have easily made a weekend of it it could have been a guy's weekend we would have had a lot of fun gone to Burns Steakhouse a couple of times in Tampa and uh, been on the beach for a little bit but I said I don't know I think I'm coming home so I circled back around came home my fiance gets home from work and goes uh what happened I go well spring training's canceled and that's not good. That's, that's really bad. Now we all kind of knew it was headed that way. Um, But once that happened, I, I knew it was bad news. So, you know, at that point, you know, baseball covers half my year, it's basically March to September. So that's, you know, six out of the 12 months that I've got steady work. And this time I didn't. And I think we we're all hopelessly optimistic. I think part of it was because we didn't know the severity of this whole thing. But everybody had dates in mind, like, hey, you know, maybe May 1st, maybe we'll get it going. And then it became June 1st. and Then, hey, you know, July 4th, May. And then it's like, all right, as you see that trend developing, you realize that it's not good. So a lost season meant uh, I had to do something completely different. I had to, in essence, survive. I didn't know what to do uh but i did know that amazon was hiring so from march of last year to march of this year uh basically a full calendar year i was unloading trucks in an amazon warehouse about 15 minutes from newark airport which uh was a pretty humbling experience as you might imagine but listen it paid my rent uh for the time that i needed it to and uh you know do i have regrets about it no because of the circumstances that we were in but would i ever go back also, no, um, it, it was not rewarding. Um, I, I worked hard, the way, you know, the way I would covering a game or prepping for a broadcast. But, um, you know, it, it felt like it felt like 10 plus years of work got torpedoed in one fell swoop. And that was a tough pill to swallow. And then to come out of it on the other side this year and to get that major league opportunity, it, it gave me a reason to keep believing and, uh, and to keep me around in this.
0: Yeah, so like during that off period, how are you still kind of like honing your craft? Because like there really wasn't like any sports going on. There wasn't that much to do. So like were you trying to practice like on calling old games or like how are you still like getting those reps in, you know?
3: Well, prior to the shutdown of everything, my last broadcast was – so I do regular play-by-play for Long Island University in Brooklyn. They're a Division One team in the NEC. So I've been with them for several years. I'm their lead broadcaster, so I get their men's basketball, their football, their volleyball. My last men's basketball broadcast was March 4th, I want to say, and it was a buzzer beater to beat Fairleigh Dickinson in the NEC quarterfinals. And it's what I'm using right now as my basketball demo because I thought it was terrific. And then I went probably six or seven months without calling another game uh, because at that point, the baseball season's pooched. Uh, The fall season got canceled. Well, it didn't get canceled, but it got pushed back. So all the fall sports were backloaded to the spring. And so my next basketball broadcast wasn't until November. So it was probably closer to seven or eight months that I didn't call any games. Now, you mentioned CBS Sports Radio. I was there about two years when COVID hit. Unfortunately, when that happened, they basically trimmed their part-time rosters. So Guys like me who were filling guys and I was fortunate that I was there once or twice a week at the minimum I just had my first shift there in 19 months this past week. So again, you're talking about the entire body of work, everything that I had built up, all the time that I had put in and you know, I think for me I thought like all right, wh- what did I do wrong? Did I fail? Uh, you know, have I failed? Do I have to do something else? And then you know people kind of talk you off the ledge it's like no dude it's a global pandemic you know you know my father's a dentist he's been in practice for 25 30 years he had to shut his practice down for three months so um you realize that it's bigger than you um but yeah those those months were tough where you feel a lack of creativity i probably should have started a podcast like everybody else in the country Uh, during that time um, I'm still thinking about doing that but it hasn't happened yet but no I'd say for probably seven or eight months I wasn't in front of a microphone at all and uh I think coming out of it now I appreciate it more like we do with a lot of things now we appreciate things we don't take them for granted and I think what's made me better today than I've ever been is that I'm having more fun doing this because I really missed it
1: well transitioning into a more positive topic yay
2: uh...
0: (laughs)
1: yay (laughs) This past minor league season, um, at least in the AAA circuit, uh, there's a new playoff format added. That's the A final stretch. Um, and I wanted to get maybe some thoughts from you on it, on the new playoff format. Uh, maybe just go over it so that the viewers know what it is, um, maybe why it was introduced, and uh, whether you see it as a long-term change or maybe just, you know, uh, short-term COVID still around type change.
3: So I think there's two things going on. You've got the, the final stretch as they were billing it, which only was for AAA, the two AAA leagues. Uh, the other minor leagues still had their regular playoffs, although they had shrunk those. So let's say a 12-team league would normally have four playoff entrants. This year, it was the teams with the top two records. They would play a best of five or a best of three, depending on the league, and then winner take all. Triple A did not have that. Triple A basically tacked on 10 games to the end of the regular season, five home, five road. And then, uh, you know, they would deem who was the final stretch winner based on the best record during that 10 game stretch. Now, I don't know where I stand on it. I think having 10 extra games for us is good because you're getting five extra games on a homestand, which is a way for a ball club to make money. Um, I know from talking to players that I'm friends with that they didn't like it, um because again, it's five home, five road. and you're basically banking on your season to end, and now you've got to prolong it for another week and a half. Um, you do have another road trip mixed in there. Um, but you know, I think guys what what's happening now is as you've seen baseball change a little bit here, and you mentioned some of the things in the landscape changing, I think one thing that they're trying to do, and I think it could happen moving forward is limit travel. Uh, It's something that they use this year and COVID was a perfectly reasonable reason to do this. I don't think moving forward, I would like that. you know, I, I hated having six game series this year. I did not like having 12 game home stands, Uh, but I understand why they do it because it limits travel. So I think it might, st- I know the 12-game homestands or the six-game series, rather, I know those are going to stay at least for next year. What they're doing with the playoff format moving forward, I think um, I think it's probably going to stay the same, at least at the lower levels. AAA will probably go back to it as well.
0: So now that your, like, minor league season is done, you had mentioned that you're going to be working for LIU a little bit. What else are you up to in this offseason?
3: So getting back into the fold at CBS, um, which is awesome, I, you know, doing updates there is terrific. And like I said, Saturday this past Saturday night was my first time there in 19 months, and they changed the update format. So I used to do updates nationally on CBS Sports Radio, and then at 12 and 42 past the hour, I would do them on WCBS 880, which as you guys know, was the Mets flagship station. Now that they've changed some things up, I got to do updates on WFAN on Saturday night. I was at the top of the hour. They're a minute, 15 seconds. So you're in and out. There's not a whole lot that you can chew on in that time. But listen, you know, for the first time, I'm on the biggest sports talk station in the entire country, the station that I grew up listening to and still listen to when I'm in the car. So that was pretty cool. Um, I don't think my frequency there is going to be what it was pre-pandemic, but getting back into the fold there is great. Uh, my LIU schedule is going to start picking up. And then I'll do some freelance stuff here and there. LaSalle, um, Fordham when Joe Debari, uh Joe Debari rather calls me because he's got plenty of guys that he can choose from uh with all the different sports and all the alums that are involved. So it, it keeps me busy. And uh, believe it or not, it's it's gonna sound weird. But for the last two days, I've got a family friend that owns a farm in uh, upstate New York in Goshen, New York. So I've actually been a farmhand the last two days. <laughs> And uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's different, and it uh, gets me out of the house. It's a good workout. It's fresh air. and uh, it helps out a family that needs the help, and it's a, a small business. So um, I'm trying to, d- to trying to do things to fill the gaps. and, and again, a podcast is is certainly in the cards. I, I think that's something that I've always wanted to do. I think that I'm a little hesitant. Um, because of the climate, uh, you know, you say one wrong thing and uh, context is taken out of it completely and uh, you get blackballed. So I, I've always kind of been very wary about doing it because I've never really wanted to have to worry about that problem.
1: So for a podcast, what topic would you be considering? Um, you know, would it be in baseball um, or what are you thinking for that?
3: It would be, I would say, a mix between a like an opie and anthony howard stern type show with sports but also my other interests like i don't love talking sports as crazy as that sounds i know that sounds weird (laughs) I i love calling games um but i'll be very honest like when the game's over it's in one ear and out the other um i don't consume a tremendous amount compared to some other people Um, that do the job that I do. I know that there are guys that it's like their whole life, and for me, it's really not. So I would love to do something that shows my personality and my sense of humor. Um, I'm a huge stand-up comedy junkie. I go to clubs a lot. I love music. I love going to concerts. So like, I would love to be able to do something that's freeform, where you can kind of just do anything, Um, and and that I think it gives you that freedom to have some fun with it. So again, it's something that. I think now more than ever, I've really been considering seriously more than ever lately. But again, it's you got to have the follow through to actually to go along with it. So uh, we'll see that. That's a uh, that'll be the next announcement, hopefully.
0: I love that you talk about the that, though, because I feel like a lot of sports broadcasters that we meet in this industry, that we meet from FUV they don't talk a lot about that balance between like their leisure and like other things that they like and their work, which is also sports. So I really enjoy that. Like you're kind of were mentioning that that sports doesn't consume everything that you like. It doesn't consume everything that you do. And I think that for me, that's like very important because I feel very similarly about that.
3: You know, and I'll use just a current thing. That's topical right now. Like look at the success of the Manning cast on Monday night football, which it's not my favorite thing. I think it's good. I'm not Gaga over it the way everybody else seems to be. But the reason why it's fun is because it's fresh. It's not the traditional formula. So I'm not saying, hey, we've got to just get rid of things that are traditional and that have made this business work. But you know, I would love to hear, I would love to hear about these people. You know, not so much the. Uh, You know, you got a chance to talk to Belichick. What did he say in the meeting? Like, you know, I want to know about people. Uh, One thing that's always drawn me to baseball and talking with guys is getting to know them, where they come from, their families, their backgrounds, not so much the, hey, what was that pitch that you hit out for a home run last night? Uh, I don't find that stuff all that interesting a lot of the times. I think there's a place for it. Um, But for me, I think what, what people would be interested in Greg Caserta about is who I am as a person, not so much the X's and O's and what goes on between the lines. Like, you know, I have things to offer in terms of my views on life and, um, you know, certain takes that I have on things. And I think I have something to offer there. And I think it's, it would be something different. Um, so again, like you said, it's, when the night rolls around, I'm in bed watching something on HBO or Netflix. I'm watching a, a new series or a documentary. It's not just all right, sports, sports, sports. It's like all right, we can pump the brakes on a little bit. Like <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be twenty four seven.
1: Definitely, a healthy balance is uh, something to strive for. Especially, uh, I feel like a lot of people at, at WFV right now could probably learn a thing or two from you <laughs> on that subject. But uh, I want to transition back to. Uh, some interesting news uh, that kind of goes back to your days of Fordham. I'm sure you've heard about this by now, but uh, Brian Konacki, uh, Fordham baseball alum, reached out to Fordham about the rights to a video clip uh, for the purpose of creating a non-fungible token. That's an NFT. Um, and it's a, it's a really spectacular highlight on A Play at the Play, uh, and it's your voice on the broadcast. Uh, so can you describe what it was like calling that play? Um, and what do you know about the evolving NFT situation there?
3: So I know next to nothing about it, except for the <laughs> fact that, no, 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 listen, I know no, next to nothing, except for the fact that out of the blue yesterday, I get an email from Brian Kanaki, who I haven't talked to or seen in, I graduated in 2010. So 11 years, um, you know, he, he got my email and he told me about this thing and he said, hey, can I have your permission? And yeah, of course, I, I don't do what you got to do. It's for his buddy's company and um, they're trying to market things for college athletes. And I love that. I think that's great. Um, but, you know, going back to that night, that was a couple of weeks before I graduated and it was a random Wednesday night game against Iona. And uh, that play happened. And I forget who was editing the game. Somebody in the, in the baseball press box goes, yeah, we're, we're sending that to ESPN. Like it was the early days of the ESPN assignment desk. I'm like, yeah, okay, ESPN, sure. (laughs) So at that point, I'm basically checked out of school. Like, listen, I'm, I'm getting my diploma. I think I have like one or two more finals to get through. And then we've got senior week. So I'm just coasting at that point. So it was a Wednesday night. So after the game, I went out with a bunch of friends. We went to somebody's apartment and all of a sudden on ESPN news, there's Mike Yam, another FUV alum. And there's, I see that grainy video. I'm like, oh, that looks familiar. And they turn it up and they play the call. I was like, whoa, all right. And then it started making the rounds. MLB Network, I think, grabbed it. I know that uh, Reale mentioned it and said my name on Around the Horn so he could sneak in a WFUV plug. It was up for an Emmy that year for play of the year. Unfortunately, it lost out to a Brett Favre Vikings pass. He threw a Hail Mary into the corner of the end zone. Um, And I remember the SB voting that night, like I was trying to get everybody like, yo, vote for this play. It's me vote for the play. And we lost out to Favre. So, um, you know, I think it was a really cool moment. But I think like a lot of things that happened at that time, I was really spoiled, as you guys know, being at that station, like you get to do things that no other college student really gets to experience. So I never wanted those moments to be too big in my head. I wanted to appreciate them and smile about them and be like, yeah, this is really cool. But I always wanted to think in my head, like this is just the beginning. I didn't want it to think like, all right, I did it. This is the be all end all. This is the greatest thing ever. It's never going to top this. I wanted that to be the first of hopefully many moments. And um, and that was certainly one of the early ones for sure. And uh, I don't, I don't listen back to it too often. My friends will occasionally tease me about it. Like they'll bring it up uh, because I listen to that voice and I go, uh, man, the, you know, the voice is higher and the, you know, the, uh, the Italian Jersey accents a lot deeper or uh, whatever that accent was. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's something that when you bring it up, I'm smiling now because again, blast from the past, Brian Kanacki sent me an email yesterday.
1: I think I should mention that just for the viewers to, cause I'm sure if they haven't seen the play, it's, it's, it's Konaki coming home on a on a on a on a throw to the plate and he somersaults over the catcher who fails to tag him in the air. Uh, and he's safe. He was ruled safe. And my favorite part about the video, other than you know, the spectacular jump, is the visiting coach coming out, running out to argue that he's somehow out, even though there's just no chance that he that he could have tagged him because you know his glove is on the ground the entire time. He's just as surprised as everyone that Konaki went airborne. Uh, so but uh, definitely go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and Kayla, go, go ahead.
3: <laughs> can, I, can, I just, can I just add one more thing? I, yes. I think the coolest thing about it, easily the coolest thing about that, it's not even close. Um, and it's still giving me like chills when I think about it now is um, Vin Scully must have reached out to Bob Ahrens to get my contact info. So one day I get an email from an address that I don't know but it's a Dodgers email address and I open it up and uh, I I don't remember what it said verbatim, but the thing that caught me, and it was very quick. It was just a quick message. um, It said to the effect, hi, Greg, nice job. That play would have thrown me for a loop. Best of luck, Vince Scully. (laughs) And again, you know, where we are, you know, you guys understand that's, that's the dude, that's the goat. That's our guy, right? He's the guy that that set the, set the tone for everybody else. So I told Bob this and Bob kind of grins and goes, yeah, you know, I, he, he reached out. I wanted to have him talk to you. Um, he goes, did you notice what he said in the email? And I go, no, he just sent me a nice thank you note. He goes, would have thrown him for a loop, alluding to the flip oh. over the plate. So Vin, in his mastery, of less than a fifty-word email, somehow painted a word picture. And aside from it being just, oh my god, one of the one of the guys that we all look up to went out of his way to reach out to me. It was like, man, even when I try, I still can't beat that. Like, who would think <laughs> of that? That's unbelievable.
0: I wouldn't have even made that connection. No, like, not in a million years. I've never I gotten,
3: gotten that. It. I'm amazed. Bob made the connection. <laughs> Bob, Bob was Bob was on it like that. And then when he explained it to me. It was like the end of the usual suspects where you're just like, boom, like, whoa, I just can't, I can't believe that happened. So, uh, yeah. So Vin, again, just, uh, you know, cementing that goat status.
0: That's incredible. That's, that's what we live for. Right. That's like FUV like in a nutshell is like having those like big moments like that. Um, so kind of sticking with FUV what would be your advice to FUV like members right now? Like, how would you advise them about what they should make out of this experience, how they should be doing it and like where it can take them?
3: So I, this could be a long answer, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, here's the thing. There are certain things I'll say that is not going to be groundbreaking or different than anything else that uh, some of the underclassmen here, but the key is always say yes, do everything. And also figure out where you want to be and what you want to do. Um, you know, if your focus is play-by-play, make that your passion and go for that. The networking thing is paramount to anything. And it's not just the Fordham connection. It's not the FUV mob. Those guys, yes, they will do anything for you. And that's a given. You know, we that's the network. That's the pipeline. You use those people. But you use Anybody that you come across, any of the guest speakers, any of the people that you intern with during the summer, those are the people that are going to help you. And then the other thing I'll say, and I say this as somebody that I think made the mistake, I had no interest in business. So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to major in communication and media studies because that's what I'm going for. Look into business, make yourself more well rounded because I would feel bad for somebody that fell into the trap that I did over this past year of, oh my God, I've put all my eggs in this basket and I don't have a true backup plan. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I thought about taking business classes to get my MBA. Um, that way I at least have outside interests and outside pursuits. You know, Find something else that might interest you so that at least you're more well-rounded in that regard and don't make the mistake too late. Uh, you know, Fordham's got all these amazing resources to offer. And I think that to be like, well, I'm working at the radio station. I want to go into broadcast. Let me just take a communications major. You know, I don't really see the, the, the value in that. Like to me, like your experience, like what's going to make you who you are, whether it's on camera or behind the scenes is what you do at the station. So I would say, treat the classes a little bit differently. Don't, don't just meld them together. And uh, when you have those opportunities, like when you're doing those games and you're being a beat reporter, um, enjoy it because it goes by really quickly and realize that you're doing something that, you know, people a lot older than you wish they could do and they can't, and you're getting that opportunity. And uh, just to, to always give it your, your all um, because, you know, this business, it'll swallow you up pretty quickly. Um, not just your effort, not the effort that you have to put in necessarily, that's a given, but you got to be all about this. You got to realize like, Hey, when people come in and tell you during these workshops, listen, this is really hard. It is really hard. But if you believe in yourself and you bank on yourself, um, you know, we, we could talk about the, the emotional aspect of it another time, but, um, you gotta be strong and you gotta be resolute. Like you gotta have the mentality of down, but never out. You're gonna take a lot of punches. You're gonna take a beating, but you're never gonna stay down. Um, so that's my uh, my long-winded answer uh, in regards to that.
1: Thanks so much for that. I mean, that's sage advice for, of course, all of us at the station and uh, appreciate the, uh, the much experienced take on it. Um, but before we let you go, I wanna ask you about the Mets. I know that when we had you on one-on-one earlier this summer, our friend Dylan Balsamo was asking you somehow How are the Mets in first place? This is midseason, and we know how that all went. Uh, You know, in first place for the majority of the season. Now the playoffs are in full swing and the Mets are not in them. So I want to get your take on just how this season went. And, um, you know, after we we heard the news that they're moving on from manager Luis Rojas, uh, what's your assessment of the Mets season and what direction do you see the team heading in the coming years?
3: You know, I think in terms of the direction, they are headed in the right direction because of who signs the paychecks. You've got the wealthiest owner in the game by a long shot, a guy that's already shown he's willing to make bold moves and sign Lindor. What worried me about this team this year, and what I know a lot of Mets fans, if you go on Twitter, they'll say like, oh, this is the most disappointing season in God knows how long. I'm like, I don't know if it is. You know, I don't know if people after those, 109 days in first place or whatever it was truly looked at this team at that point. It went, you know, this is a serious contender in the national league. Like, yeah, it was good. It was a great run, but I don't think people looked at them long-term and thought, yeah, this will be a team that contends with the Dodgers, the giants, um, you know, and, and some of the other big hitters in the, in the national league. What worried me about them is the fact that so much of their success was tied to their ACE. It's amazing to me how, One pitcher, who's the best in the world by a long shot, who goes every five days, sets the temperature for that room. And the fact that when he went down with that injury, that armor that they had built up completely disappeared. And all of a sudden, nobody feared this team. And I found that to be probably more alarming than anything else. Um, You know, I think that they, they did their best navigating through the thumbs down situation. I thought that could have blown up and gone way worse than it did. Uh, I think, listen, if you make the right move in bringing in a new president of baseball operations, you've already gone through Epstein. That was a quick conversation for whatever reason. I don't know why that didn't progress beyond just him and Cohen chatting. You know, everybody's talking about Billy Bean and if you can get him and Bob Melvin over, not too shabby uh, because you've got a pretty decent core there. Um, you know, your, your lineup is going to look different. You know, Conforto being so disappointing this year was obviously a big hurt, Uh, but Lindor turned it around in the second half. I think that's huge. I don't know what they're going to do with Baez and, you know, your, your rotation is still very much a question mark. So they have moves to make, but if you get the right person in there with that payroll and that flexibility, It'll be a really coveted job. And so if Billy Bean does take that opportunity, I think the Mets will be in good hands.
0: Well, Greg, thank you so much for being on with us today. We had a great time chatting with you, and we really appreciate you taking in the time to just share with us your experiences and your time from FUv. Um, so just thank you so much for being here.
3: It is my pleasure. Um, there are very few things I enjoy as much as stuff like this. I know that uh, that Zoom is what we do nowadays, but for, <laughs> but for real, anytime I can do something for FUV with FUV, it, it's, it's the best. And uh, you guys were great. It was so nice meeting you and talking with you. And uh, I hope we can do it again at some point down the road.
0: Well, everyone, that was Greg Caserta. And what an incredible interview that really was for Thomas and I. I mean, I loved hearing about just his balance and his work throughout the pandemic and kind of seeing where he came from and how he's kind of working to progress through that, especially in taking a bit of a break, he said, working at Amazon. And I think just like hearing about how there are a lot of different ways and a lot of different paths to get to where you are right now. And he made his MLB debut in 2021. So even though he took a brief hiatus and worked at Amazon, it didn't stop his career didn't stop his progress he still continued on and he's still doing what he loves and finding that balance he said with his podcast about his culture and his life and also his work and his love of sports and just kind of balancing that and like finding that line and I think that to me that was probably the most interesting thing about the interview was just hearing about that balance
1: yeah you're completely right I thought that was one of the most fascinating parts hearing firsthand from someone who is very affected in in the most way because he is a minor league broadcaster and they didn't have a season last year. Um, What he had to do in the, in the meantime, uh, working at Amazon, he said he was, you know, it was one of the darkest times of his life. And, and that's, you know, that's an incredible comeback story kind of to just, you know, persevere through that, that hiatus, get back right, right back into it in 2021 and, and even get the call up to the majors for that Mets game that he called. So, I thought that was a very interesting part of the interview. And how about that that tidbit about, uh, you know, that that play that he called in the uh, in his Fordham career that that run scored that's now trying to, you know, turn into an NFT. He got an email from Vin Scully, the goat himself, saying that uh, you know it was it was it was a tremendous call with his own little spin on it. I thought that was. Really, that was, that was incredible. Um, A a nice little FUV connection coming back, even though, you know, Vince Scully is, you know, who he is, the legend that he became. He still has that, that intrinsic connection to WFUV. And uh, I thought that was just, that was just awesome.
0: No. And I think that that really, and that's like what makes this podcast to me so great is because it is like hearing about how WFUB, regardless of where you go in your life, like regardless of how far you progress in this career, like this is such an alumni network that is so interested in talking to you and they want to share your stories and they want to share in your success. Like they're here for you no matter what. And Vin Scully even out there at the Dodgers being incredible, doing what he does best, still looking back and looking at Fordham and saying like, Wow, what is WFUV doing still like and checking in on this progress? And I think that that is what makes this so special Um, and just really what makes this moment great. And that's what I loved hearing from Greg. It's just like about how FUV even years later is still a part of people's lives. I mean, these connections are still things that people look for when they're networking and they're finding jobs. And I mean, that's encouraging for me as I enter the job market. but so that's what I just love the most. And I mean, especially as your first one, Quigs, how did you like it?
1: I had a lot of fun. I thought it was it was really awesome to meet Craig. He's a great guy. Um, it's tremendous just talking about him, his journey from FUV through the uh through the minors, through, you know, and eventually getting to call that Mets game, but uh specifically just talking about, you know, the minor leagues, kind of the grind of it, but how he really, you know. When, he, when he's in the broadcast booth, he's kind of just in his zone. And as soon as he's he's out of there, well, he's back to his, his normal life. So it's not just, you know, like you said, it's not all sports. I thought that was really cool. I, I didn't really expect that from uh, a guy who is, you know, kind of working at it. Um, he's still in the early stages of his broadcasting career. And he's, uh, you know, certainly trying to get to that um, that elevated position of an MLB broadcaster and I'm sure you know he's on he's well on his way but um to see that he still you know has other interests outside of outside of baseball is uh really cool I thought that was awesome and I uh I thought he's just a, re- a really fun guy and I'm I'm glad to have added him to my uh Rolodex now from the FEV alum.
0: Yeah, so we want to thank you so much, Greg Caserta, again for being here with us and for joining our podcast. We want to thank you all for listening. Tune into Off the Air. We have episodes on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you find your episodes. Um, so thank you again, Greg Caserta, and we will see you next time.